Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry. Episode 36. You guys, this is the final interview of season two. I can't believe it. And I have a treasure of a conversation to share with you today on this episode Seeing the Unseen with Fritzi Horstman. Hey, listen, Fritzi is a phenomenal woman. She is a warrior in the truest sense. She is the founder of the Compassion Prison Project. And this episode, our conversation is so close to my own heart. I had to have Fritzy on the show. I reached out to her, this stranger from a small town in Front Royal, Virginia, reached out to Fritzy in Los Angeles. She's doing big, big things in the prison system in the state of California, and the movement is reaching far beyond across the nation and even into other countries. She helps us to really understand that the people that she serves, the inmates, the, I hate using that word, but that's how you might know them, inmates in a prison system. They are people and they deserve to be seen. We need them. See, they need to be seen and we need them. Fritzy dives into that in this conversation in detail. I want you to open your heart and your mind to understanding the value of the people that are in the prison system right now, the people that we've forgotten. Think about all the way from juvenile detention all the way to adulthood and death row. We touch on all of these topics. I just invite you to open your mind. And if you've been, you know, maybe you've been victimized. And I invite you to open your mind to a new way of seeing other people, a new way of seeing yourself, a new way of understanding trauma and a new way of moving forward together in the collective that is us. I'm going to get out of the way, step out of the way right now, and share Fritzy's heart with you. Why? Why are you doing this work? Why am I um, digging into the shadows of our psyche? Yeah. Why am I um, un- unearthing what we've thrown away? Um mm. Because I, I looked at my own shadows and I looked at what I had psychically thrown away, which was my integrity, which was mm. my um, self-love, which mm. was my ability to, um, you know, bring forth my magnificence. So yeah. now that I've found it, um, you know, I want to help people find it for themselves. Yeah. And I really think what we do to the most underserved, the most traumatized is what we do to ourselves. So when we throw away ourselves, the the dark part of ourselves, the traumatized part of ourselves, this, the part that we don't want to look at, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we've alienated, we yeah. alienate, we are, we've, it, the society is basically alienating itself. Yeah. Um, 
And well, we're certainly not taught. None of us are taught. I mean, I have the luxury of having a natural gift, as probably do you, I'm assuming, of introspection and doing the uncomfortable, not just the uncomfortable, but the downright nasty and hard stuff that we have to do with ourselves, but also my clinical training as a psychologist. To, I, I'm a little more sensitive, I guess, to that, but that's not, we don't, we don't teach our children that. We don't teach society that. It, we teach everybody to dress it up, to cover it up with something rather than address it, right? Well, and the true reality is I, I, I have some introspection, but I really had no idea until I was about 55 mm. that I was traumatized. I didn't mm. even know trauma. I didn't know child abuse created trauma in the body and that all of my behavior for the past 55 years well, I'm 57 now. So the past 55 years was a result of not feeling safe in my body. Mm. Um, was it, How did you discover that, Fritzi? Um, one of my good friends who I will, I thank every day, he gave me a book called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel mm-hmm. van der Kolk. Yeah. And I read that book and I, um, it was like, it was the biggest epiphany of my life because I am not that anxious woman. I am not that, you know, that road rage, what is that road? Where does that come from? My friend <laughs> would sit next to me. She's like, what, what's wrong? They just, you know, they probably were in a rush. And I'm like, right. you know, my, it was a trigger. And I, yeah. uh, but everyone who's got road rage, there's probably some unaddressed trauma yeah. mm-hmm. that's lurking, lurking around. Or, yeah. you know, when you yell at your child and you don't even know you're doing it, or I yeah. mean, my son was in the car with me and he wouldn't turn off the phone. And I escalated to a place where it's like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that this is what is in, you know, embedded. These are the, yeah. in the couch cushions of our, of our psyche, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. trauma is, is, is everywhere. And it's, you know, it's a late, that's, I also call it a layer of shame because we're so ashamed of our deep, deep traumas and our deep inability to cope. Yeah. Stemming from slavery, stemming, stemming from, you know, the the, the revolution, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. stemming from the civil war, stemming from Jim Crow, all of this Mm -hmm. shame that we have, um, we have given to other people and to ourselves it's time we, first of all, we just take accountability and say there is no shame. Yeah. And then we start looking at the traumas of our, of our collective traumas, but also of our individual traumas. Yeah. You know, it's, to me, this is the call to action to our society is, you know, we're traumatized, you know, what's underneath all of this. And yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, here, here's the thing that fascinates me, you know, in our Western hemispheric culture. We're very much um, an individualistic, not a collective culture. Um, And so we tout the um, principle or, or the character trait of personal accountability, of personal responsibility. And I think that, um, there's some beauty in that for sure. Um, in being able to have agency, right. Um, but what I hear too often and what I've said to friends, um, before I actually did a podcast interview with a woman who went through the foster care system and she's now an attorney and an inventor. Like she just like skewed that she's an outlier. 
right? Um, by by all all measures, um, in my opinion. But um, I said to her that the thing that I fear and that I feel is that I believe, I don't feel, I believe is the truth about us is that we can look upon uh, children who are visibly traumatized, like, you know, a, a society, a, a, a community, a culture, a, a whatever, where we're hearing of these things, we're seeing these things and we feel sorry. We yeah. feel sorry for kids that have to go in the foster care system. We feel sorry for kids that, you know, um, are uh, are adopted or not adoptable or who never, you know, who are just in and out of placements, who never have that love. We feel sorry for them until they end up in juvie or they end up in jail or they end up in prison. So it's like this little kid that we felt sorry for becomes the man or the woman that we hate. Really well put. Yeah. And, and yeah, what is that minute? It's the minute they stop being cute, right? It's that. Yeah. It's they're no they're no longer cute. It's puberty. It's it's that, you know, men have aggression, you know, they don't have a place to put all this mm-hmm. energy. They need mm-hmm. rites of passage. We've lost mm-hmm. our, you know, our our innate innate need for men to express all this, you know, mm-hmm. virility that they have. And absolutely. So, and it it gets you know, if they're not seen, it goes into violence. I mean, my, my son is 13 right now. Mm-hmm. He's going, he's right in this, this area of, you know, the prefrontal cortex no, is not online. And right. <laughs> right. which, but which is the same thing that happens when you're traumatized. Yes. Yes. So there, the decisions that are being made by a young man, mm. you know, are exacerbated when, mm-hmm. when they're traumatized. So, you know, right. And so, and so talking about that, you know, personal accountability and agency and choice, I think what happens in that shift from, um, a surface level compassion to anger for people that, um, end up visibly not handling their trauma, right? Cause there are those of us who were traumatized, but it's our manifestations just aren't visible. They're socially palatable, right? <laughs> Well, I, this is, this is the thing people that were all tra- like, okay, let's say we're all traumatized. I'm on, I'm a seven or an eight on the ACE, on the okay. ACE test. When Can you I- tell our listeners what that is when you get done with this line of thinking? Yes. Well, the thing that I had and the thing that my mother had, um, we had somebody who cared about us, who saw about us, who saw us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. someone hadn't seen me, yes, I would be in prison. I know it. I know because I was. Amen to that. I was looking for a gang. I actually, there was a gang in my neighborhood. It was an Italian and Irish gang. It was called the Go Club. And Where'd you I, grow up, Fritzy? Um, the Upper West Side of New York City. Okay. And I went to high school in the village and I was kind of like a wild child roaming the streets with my friend. Mm-hmm. And I just was looking for trouble. And, you know, I wrote graffiti. Um, you know, it was. It was wow. ridiculous. I, w- I wrote little graffiti with a little Sharpie on the subway. I mean, <laughs> and I tell these t- this to the guys in prison and they're just like, what? you know, and my, ta- my tag was bunny one. I mean, wow. And it was still an act of defiance and it was still yeah. heading. It was still heading. But 
and I, I also saw myself going down the road, wrong road. So mm-hmm. somehow I had some self-awareness that I needed to mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't have my own self-awareness and a few teachers and even yeah. my mother who was out of her mind and my father who was out of his mind, they saw me, they saw mm-hmm. a piece of me and mm-hmm. I'm, I didn't, I didn't go to prison, yeah. but when you normalize violence in, in domestic violence is the normalization of violence in which yeah. is the, the root. It is the root of our violence in our society mm-hmm. and violence manifests in addiction, in sure. o- obesity, um, you know, you know, crime, gambling. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. It's anything that's self-abusive, you know, mm-hmm. it turns into a self-abuse because yes. it's been normalized in yeah. within our within our psyches, within our souls. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like we need to pull these roots of violence out of our mm-hmm. society. And mm-hmm. this is, and the the big roots are living in prison yeah. because that we've, we've said, we're not going to look at this. We're not looking at this. Oh my goodness. It's just like, you know, it's like, um, repeated trauma. And when I look at it, when I step back and look at the big picture and I think these, you know, these young children, they, they weren't seen, they weren't seen, they were forgotten. I mean, look at the documentary of the trials of Gabriel Hernandez, Fernandez. Oh my gosh. Like I couldn't, I cried, I think for days after I watched that and I was angry too, but, um, where was I going with that? Fritzy? I was going somewhere. And um, the- these children weren't seen. Oh yeah. And then so then they get older and they get involved in these criminal activities of which, you know, we've kind of criminalized basically everything. Um, and then we put them in a place where we can forget them again, where they cannot be seen. Like you were saying, where they're just, you just stay there. They're there now. You know, you stay there where nobody has to deal with you because you're, you shouldn't be seen because there is no value to you. Um, I, so a while back, Fritzy, and you've, you've probably, I would love for you to share with us some of the stories, the encounters that you've had, um, with the hearts and souls that you've had the privilege of working with within the prison system. So several years ago, when I still had my clinical psychology practice, I went into the jail or we had a, we have a local tri-county jail here. So um, it covers three counties. And I went in and I offered what I called wellness classes. And it was essentially the same message that I work with uh, people now on um, uh, developing a thought world that um, allows you to have the reality that you really desire. And I remember there were a couple of really um, extraordinary responses that some of the inmates gave. So every other week was men and every other week was women. And two, so just two uh, case examples. One gentleman, um, he said, I get everything you're saying, Sherry. I understand it. I hear it. I, I can make sense of it. He said, but what if you've been told all of your life what if all you've ever been told, the only truth you've ever known is that you're nothing? How do I fix that? So that, you know, that was one and we, we obviously engaged in that. But just the just the um, understanding that this is a reality of how people think and believe about themselves. And so it is not, it is not a matter, a sheer matter of choice. It is not a matter of, this is how I choose to, I just choose to be a bad 
person, but like that doesn't compute to me. And then the, uh, one of the women, she said, um, you know, I, uh, think about relationships and she said, here's what I asked myself. I asked myself, do I want a man who hits me or do I want a man who mentally abuses me? (laughs) I I remember thinking, oh my God, that's your box. That's your, like, that's it. That's your zone of possibility. So it's heartbreaking. Um, but I, I listened to one of your podcast interviews with, um, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but one of the things that you said really struck me um, was just about, and it's so true. It struck me as a truth that we all need to be reminded of that I don't believe that there are bad people. And you said, I don't believe that there are bad people. No, there's bad choices. There's very yeah. bad choices. Right. And and there's violence. There, you yeah. know, you know, we are creating our society, um, there's so many things I want to, I want to. Hey, take uh, your time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we are. And it's, even though that we've created, we've created the idea of a bad person. Yeah. Um, what happens? Makes sense. Well, we, we need to justify our actions. Right. We right. need to justify this thing we call prison, this thing we call slavery, this thing we call Jim Crow, this thing we call not me. And, and it is the root of, of the absurdity of, of duality. We're in this, you know, this dual nature of, and I believe our job while we're here is to realize that we are one. We are connected. Yes. We, we we look at the, we pull back into space and we see this planet and it is one. It is mm-hmm. one little cell in the middle of the universe. Mm-hmm. And that that is all of us. And so yeah. we are this little organism working together mm-hmm. to figure out how to live together. Or not. Well, no. <laughs> we're here to, to learn. I believe the reason we're here is to figure out how to do it. How to do that. Yeah. And that's great. And I feel like this pandemic is um, is our entry into really... Mm-hmm. is to really start like tearing down the walls of division. Yeah. And the wall. Hey, let me ask you something about that, Fritzy, now that you mention it, because um, I'm interested in your take on it. I, and I know none of the stats on it, but I would presume that crime is still existing during this pandemic, but that it is not being reported in statistics, in particular, things like domestic violence going up and stuff like that. But People are literally isolated from rescue, from help, from aid. Um, But in terms of other crimes, do you have any sense of like, is this pandemic and the social isolation, is the fear of uh, protecting ourselves and protecting our fellow man, is that keeping us from engaging in the typical violent responses that maybe we've been seeing in the past? Or do you feel like it's not having an effect? Uh, I don't really know because I'm in my own little bubble and I'm yeah. I'm trying not to really um, find out about about the anger and the violence. I'm really mm. trying to stay um, at, like open and available so I can spread love. So mm-hmm. um, I do know in the prison that I've been working working with, um, there were two deaths in the past past week, wow. um, two murders and. Mm. 
And yeah, it, it just feels like we're not getting programs to them. And I'm working on actually developing something I can get to them, to all the California prisons. Um, yeah. So I don't really, I don't really know about what's going on crime wise. I do know that domestic violence is up because yeah. it's, again, the pandemic is a trigger. Uh, when you're triggered, when you're traumatized and you're triggered, you react, you don't, mm -hmm. and you don't know because it's a, it's a threat. It's an invisible threat. You can't even see the, the, the virus coming into you, but you know, you're under attack. Yeah. So, so how you respond to um, an invisible attack must really be triggering for all these people, plus mm -hmm. the lack of money and support and resources. Mm -hmm. And um, um, I, I wanted to get back to the Gabriel Fernandez uh, yes. thing, because had Gabriel lived, he would have become so if, and continued to live with his parents He's an example of a, a lot of them. His treatment, the way he was treated, is similar to the way the men that I'm working with were treated. Mm -hmm. So he didn't survive it because... Um, mm -hmm. And also, the parent, the mother and the boyfriend, they were treated horrendously. Yes. So, you know, we want to vilify them. We want to create an enemy out of those two people. We, you know, mm -hmm. I was looking yes. at them and hating them for what they had done. Right. She was raped for two days. Mm -hmm. When, when that happens to you, your sense of who you are, basically you, I, I don't know clinically what happens, but I'm sure there was a split in her. Yes. Yeah. Where she just left. She left her soul. Well, there almost has to be to, to live. To survive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so what do you do? You you either recreate the trauma over and over again. Mm -hmm. That is one of the symptoms of trauma. Or, you know, or you just lash out, you know. So I have compassion for them, even though mm -hmm. what they've mm -hmm. done was unimaginable. Yes. And I have compassion for the Gabriel that would have emerged out of that situation. Yes. And that's the thing we have to see because when we mm -hmm. see how he was treated being, mm -hmm. I, you know, isolated, basically imprisoned in that household mm -hmm. and then demeaned, basically yes. he was living in prison. This is yes. what, this is an example of what we're doing to our men, mm -hmm. the men and women in our yes. society in yeah. prison. So this is what we're doing. And then we expect a rehabilitation. Yeah. What, what, what is, what is the thinking in all of this? So we are, we are basically um, dehumanizing to the to the to the core of our of our disgust of ourselves, and that's what we're doing. So it is now the call. Now is we are all really messed up, and we all really need yes. a lot of help. Yes, that is it. And we and with the death penalty, um, which we were talking about before we started, that is the men and women that are on death row have been violated to their souls. Um, mm -hmm. Their ACE tests are mostly eight, nine, and 10. And they don't talk about mm. the brain damage when they're beaten, when you're beaten yeah. and your brain is damaged. Mm -hmm. What is it like football players? They're, they're killing themselves because mm -hmm. they can't stand to be alive. 
Yeah. And these people, so, cause they know some, their brain is wrong. Their brain is wrong, but they don't need to be executed. They just need to be, first of all, we should be examining every man's brain, every man and woman's brain that are on death row. What's going on in that brain? And I'm mm-hmm. reading, mm-hmm. I'm working with, um, foundation in the UK where we're really starting to get like, micro we're micro examining what happens to the brain when it's traumatized because physically mm-hmm. physically mm-hmm. we know all of you know our our life expectancy goes down by 20 years if you have four or more aces so my parents both died wow. my father died at 61 my mother died at 69 they were both i i don't know my father's mm-hmm. ace score but i know my mother was seven, eight or nine. Um, you know, the prison, the pri- having a family wow. member in prison is the one that we don't, that I know my mother didn't have, but everything else, I don't know mm-hmm. about her sexual abuse, but I'm, I'm sure. Um, but just being abused emotionally and physically to the point where you're told you don't yeah. matter is, um, is enough to destroy a life. Mm-hmm. And we go into prison. One of the things yeah. we have a day and, and, and it's called you matter. And it's like, and we go around okay. and, and we ask, why do you matter? And one of, mm. one of, when, when I, when I said I matter this, I said, I matter because I'm changing the world or blah, 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 blah. And then mm. a couple, couple of guys said, I matter because I'm alive. And when mm. I heard that, when I heard Ooh, that, that just gave me goosebumps. That's, that was when I realized I don't have to be all these things. I can just be, and that's what matters. And, you know, another, the wisdom of these men and these women who are sitting with themselves day in, day out, Mm -hmm. they have Mm -hmm. so much to teach us. They are, they are actually our guides. They are the guides because they've been quiet and they've taken, they've taken a real deep look. And, um, I mean, the goal, they've been isolating for a long time. Yes. But the goal before we'd have, yeah. The gold that is sitting inside those walls, that's our treasure. That's the treasure where we can really find our own redemption and our, you know, I think, you know, our own transformation, the clue lies in those walls and, um, well, and that I think that what you just said there is the very definition of compassion. It's not pity. It's not sorrow. It's, oh my gosh, let me understand and relate to you and learn from you. That's, that's what it is. Yes. It's a circle. We sit in a circle because every, it's a current that we run through and we all have an equal amount of mm-hmm. wisdom, joy, laughter to give to each other. Yeah. And sorrow. I mean, yeah. you know, the sorrows of our, of our lives come, come out in those circles and that's it. And it, it is through the loving and through the compassion that we have for each other that transforms that sorrow into our own joy and our mm. own self love. Mm-hmm. And that's what's it, that's available to all of us. Mm-hmm. And instead of throwing, throwing our sorrow away, we need to look at it and in and incorporated into our into our beings. Yeah. That's so beautiful, Fritzy. I I just I adore your heart. It's it, you're you're so beautiful. Um 
I do want to ask you a couple of questions that um, I'm thinking maybe, maybe the listeners, this is going through their minds if it's going through, through mine, but it makes sense. Like everything that you're saying makes sense. Having compassion, really understanding, really knowing um, without having to know, without having to know a story, knowing that that person has a story, right? You don't need to know the story to have compassion um, for ourselves first and then for others, because we can't have it for others if we don't have it for ourselves. Um, so it's easy in concept. <laughs> In application, um, our society has proven that's much more difficult um, in in reality to manifest that into reality, into practice. And I'm thinking about how how do we, let's say we've been the recipient of, or the victim, I hate the word victim, but um, for colloquialism's sake, we've been the victim of a crime, we've been the victim of something. Mm-hmm. Um, what is our path to that compassion um, when we are the ones that have been wronged? It's such a good question. And it's such an important question. And, um, you know, I believe the path to restorative justice is probably our way forward because what restorative justice says is a crime has been committed. A hurt has been done. We cannot, you know, we cannot bring that person, if it was a murder, we can't bring that person back. If it was a robbery or an assault, Mm -hmm. there is a sense of safety that this person no longer has, you Mm -hmm. know, or the property is gone or whatever, whatever the harm that has been committed, there needs to be a bridge back to wholeness. Mm -hmm. And the only way we can do that is if the the person who committed the crime and the person affected by the crime can get into conversation. It's, it's -hmm. what they did in um, native American traditions. It's, it's a way to bring it's back in a circle though, because um, it's the current of love and respect that gets felt and seen when you are in community and when you go to a trial and there's a, you know, this artificial, you know, I think this is from the, the United Kingdom, you know, you've done wrong and you've done wrong. And there's opposite sides. It's again, it's about yeah. the uh, it's othering and it's, you know, one is wrong and one is right. Well, yes, a crime was committed, but no one is wrong and no one is right. It is just, it's like, how do we how do we find the grace and the love that is, is available to us? Mm-hmm. And as that, you know, moves into our awareness in a, in a more organic, fulfilling whole way throughout our society, um, we will stop othering the criminal, the person who makes the, it's no longer a criminal. It is a person who is traumatized. Mm-hmm. If you're making, if you're committing a crime, there's something very wrong. You don't have, a, you don't see a path of hope. You don't see a path right. of, there's no path. Right. So, um, so that, that's a harm that has to be dealt with as well. There yeah. are two harms in that circle and the person committing the crime mm-hmm. has had a harm done to him. And so that's why the whole shame thing needs to be looked yeah. at. 
and the accountability needs to, that's what accountability you have to take accountability for your crime mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. all the men that i've been working with in the past year they all want to take accountability and they all want to make reparations so yeah. wow that's so, huge yes and and yet mm -hmm. the california system won't let them mm -hmm. connect with their the persons that you know one guy wants to create a gofundme account to raise money for the person he harmed for the family is it a What's what's the uh, justification or rationalization there? Is it um, uh, are they crying re-traumatization or um, is it there is no really legitimate response to the why not? I don't know, and um, it's just part of this. You know, if you look at the the codes and the rules and all of the things that mm -hmm. that have to be sorted through in just the California criminal justice system. I mean, it's a maze and, um, and it, it, it's kind of theater of the absurd. If you ask me mm -hmm. walking into a prison is the theater of the absurd. Yes. Nobody yeah. really wants to rehabilitate. Nobody really no. wants to, they really just want to keep things in stasis. But what you've yeah. got are, you've got are living beings Yes, that, that need they need better food. They need compassion. They need yeah. to sit in circles all day until yeah. until they can really integrate themselves back into their own community and then the larger whole community. But that's yeah. what we need. We need a wholeness center. We don't need a prison. One hundred percent agreed. I, so let me. This leads me. It's perfect segue into one of the questions that was on my mind, Fritzi, and that's that um, when you're working in an established system, like the penal system, it is heftily established hmm. um, <laughs> and closely guarded to its traditions. Um, how are you navigating th that? Um, partnership or is there a partnership? How are you navigating that? And, and what do you feel like? Because I think I heard you say, or I read or something, um, and please correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but saying something about, um, I can't change the system, but I can go in and, um, you know, do, do the work. And I, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not sure mm -hmm. that's what you said exactly, but isn't, isn't the, isn't the heart's desire that kind of like motivating force for the ultimate outcome for the system to be changed for the work that you're doing? So how does that interplay with what's actually happening within the system and what you and the Compassion Prison Project and so many other um, projects that are also present to kind of help intervene and, and, and embrace the humanity of the people who are there? Well, to the benefit to the benefit or to the um, credit of the California Department of Corrections, they went over to Norway, and so they have observed Norway, which is has a system where, um, you know, the, the correctional officers they take two years before they're allowed to work with the incarcerated wow. people. Um, it's all about mental health and it's about compassion. So mm. they went and they're doing a pilot program and I, I think it's Soledad. I'm not sure. Um, so okay. they, they are, the, as, as they like to say, it's going to take a long time to turn sure. the ship around, yeah. which by the way, they also said that in Gabriel 
Fernandez, it's going to take a long time. So what is it about this ship that has to take a long time to turn around? Maybe we just need to capsize it and get a new ship. Look, I'm just the tugboat. Let's go. We're going to turn it around now. We don't have to wait for like 80 years. Agreed. Agreed. It's, it's it's a mind. It's a, it's, it's a system. It's a mind of institutionalization and everyone in this, in this, in this department, this California Department of Corrections has been institutionalized. They believe in the structures and they believe in the RVRs. Those are called rules violations. And they believe in all of this, um, this structure that really creates um, division. Yeah. Uh, What was I saying? So, okay. So I was asking you about how your, what your partnership looks like with Mm. the actual correctional system and the work that you're trying to do. And let me just give a parallel. So for example, when I was doing traditional clinical psych and let's say I was working with a child and I would see them once a week for an hour. Right. And then the parent would be like, after four sessions, like, I don't know, this isn't working. You know, when are you going to fix them? Um, and I'd say, well, I have them for one hour a week. You have them for 167, right? Like there's, <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so let's talk about how we can keep this ship moving in the same direction for all of that time. So you're, you know, and I, I'm not minimizing what you're doing. Your work is huge, <laughs> but, but the, the needle on the, on the, on the dartboard in terms of the system is small. So how are you navigating that and and how are you seeking to reach further systemic change? Okay, so the film that we the PSA that we just put out, uh mm-hmm. Step Inside the Circle. Yes. It's um, beautiful. Thank you. It's mm-hmm. uh it's just the start of the bigger film that we're going to be making and we're going to be putting out a few more PSAs to keep informing the public about what trauma does to the brain, body and spirit and yeah. And so that film has we've gotten almost 2 million views and um hundreds of emails have come through of people that really want to get involved wow therapists um just volunteers not just but volunteers yeah graphic artists lawyers chaplains um anybody with a gift to offer and they match the passion that you've yes exactly yeah. so so there's a grassroots movement happening you know, just from watching that. And then Mm. California is going to California department of corrections is going to put the film in all 35 of their prisons. And so the other thing, the other thing that I think your listeners may want to start getting on, getting, getting involved in, even just in awareness, because Mm -hmm. when you put your mind on something, it changes. When you put your awareness on something, it changes. So if you live in Kentucky, how many prisons are in Kentucky? Do you know how many prisons are in Kentucky? Do you know how many people are living in those prisons? Start finding out about what's going on in yeah. your state and in your uh, your prison system. Do you have a, 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 you know, the correctional officer union? Do you have a mm-hmm. union that has basically put your your state in a stranglehold? where you mm-hmm. can't really do anything because you're like you're in a stalemate where if you if you change the system you know the guards won't show up for work so mm-hmm. you know what what kind of policies are being created because of 
unions that are that are really, um, you know, destroying the possibility of change. So Mm -hmm. it's it's up to the people to really start saying, you know what? You know, these sentences are really, really um, draconian. Yeah. What are we doing? You know, what are we doing? And this is it's policy. You know, I'm not interested. I'm not I'm interested in policy, but I'm not because I'm interested in the heart. The heart has people. Yeah. Yeah. The heart has to move things. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's doing. People yeah. are seeing the film and they're like, oh, I got to do something. This oh, time. it's 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 incredibly moving. Two things that struck me from it, Fritzy, was one, when you said, um, you know, I, I've done stuff and I wasn't arrested. Like that resonated with me because that is one of the most beautiful, I think, once once you can embrace that truth about yourself, that you're just as much of a mess as anybody else on this planet. Like once you get that, it's not hard to have compassion for other people. So that was one thing. And then the other was when one of the gentlemen said, I, I'll probably repeat it incorrectly. He said, um, I am a traumatized or I was, or I am a traumatized child raised by a traumatized child. And I thought, man, if people don't hear anything, just hear that. I know. I know. And yeah, that's, that's the reality. But what, what, what ability to see yourself and see what your parents mm-hmm. did. And mm-hmm. there's all that compassion in there. He, yeah. he has, he's, you know, there's forgiveness in that sentence. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a, the ability to um, really start seeing what you're doing and what you have done. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And and that's, and, but see, trauma comes, from, you know, oh, that's the other thing, t- toxic stress, which mm-hmm. extreme poverty creates toxic, it's the same yes. thing that happens to your brain, your prefrontal cortex goes offline, your amygdala gets bigger, and you suddenly are committing a crime. Yes. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, we've created poverty, we have an abundant world, the idea of scarcity yeah. is is a concept. And, uh, you know, you know, 30 blocks away, people are living in scarcity in my city. But why? Because we've decided we don't want to feed them. And it's, it's, uh, we've just, you know, I heard that, you know, when we were doing these checks, you know, they were thinking of giving poor people less money. Um, these stimulus checks that we're getting from the government, they wanted to give poor people less money. It's like, what? Of, of anything, poor people need more money, and that's right. It's just, it's just another, um, another way to create more criminals. You yeah. know, poverty is a way to create criminals, and yeah. that's that's our crime. So we are completely complicit in this whole system. We are, we are, because we pay our tax dollars, and we don't say we don't want this. We yeah. are basically incarcerating these people. These people are people. We're incarcerating ourselves and yeah. demeaning ourselves. This is what yeah. we've done to ourselves. So yeah, there, we're culpable. There's we, no two ways about it. And we yeah. are, we are, you know. And why are we addicted? Why are why is there an opioid crisis? Because we're not looking at the things that we've done. Right. So right. Well, and then we try to treat the symptom as opposed to diving really deep like you're doing with the Compassion Prison Project. Here's something that you taught me. Um, I, I went and explored CompassionPrisonProject.org. I think that's it. And um, 
this just jumped out at me. So, and you'll know the numbers off the top of your head, but over 1700 prisons in the United States, over 1800 juvenile facilities. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like, do you like listeners? Do you hear that? But even if, even if you take County jails mm-hmm. and prisons together, you're looking at about what? 5,000, 6,000, between five and 6,000 facilities. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Compare the, let's say 6,000, we'll go heavy to 1800 on juveniles. Yeah. So a third, a third of our facilities are dedicated to creating criminals early, creating criminals early. Yeah. Like that's mind blowing, Fritzy. Yes. Yes. And, and instead of putting that money towards schools and education and, <laughs> you know, you know, universal basic income, what, you know, that's a thousand dollars a month to a family could change their whole trajectory. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the violence would go down because they're not feeling, you know, like a piece of crap. I mean, that's the thing. It's just people mm-hmm. feel like crap. And the shame that that covers all of this, uh, the shame of poverty, the shame of homelessness, the shame of being an addiction, an addict, the shame of being out of work, all mm-hmm. the shame. And I got to say, where you are today is perfect. If yeah. you're homeless, it's perfect. Yes. That's, you needed to learn this. You came here to learn this, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's okay. Right. I can't yeah. be my family today and I love them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, stop with these ideals of what we have to be. And, yes. And love the idea of who you are in this yeah. minute, this minute, yeah. this is your grace. This is grace for you yeah. and for me. Cause if we can accept where we are at this moment, we can change who we are mm. in the next moment. But it's, it's so, be- it's so beautiful. I, I, you know, the focus on, abundance and not scarcity because yeah. what we focus on is what we have and gratitude. Yeah. And gratitude, grateful to be alive, grateful to smell that rose, even though I can't afford, you know, my next meal, I can smell this flower and it reflects back at me, my magnificence. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be homeless, but I see it. And I see, yeah. I see the people that are not, well out there. And, Mm -hmm. um, I wonder why we can't take care of them. Yeah. You know, why are we not putting our resources towards that? Vets who have taken care of us are now like living on the street. Mm -hmm. They've taken care of us because we decided we need to be violent instead. But that's the choice when you're, when you're living in a poor community, your choices are gangs or the military. So it's all the same prep for violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and violence attracts violence. You know, cops go into these neighborhoods because they've been, you know, they either have PTSD or they've been abused as kids. Yeah. It's, we, we attract where we're at in that moment. Mm-hmm. So let's, That's, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Fritzy, I have two, uh, two, uh, one, two part question for you. Um, I want to make sure we cover it before we end the show. Um, so I want to ask, what is your, not end point, because if my suspicions are correct, you are like me and you don't believe in an end point, but what is your vision 
um, you know, the outcome vision of your work, of your Compassion Prison Project. Um, in big picture, you know, what do you want to see this do? And then two, can you give us a glimpse into what your work looks like? Like, what's a practical um, application of what the Compassion Prison Project does? Okay, the big vision, uh, three years, wellness centers instead of prisons. Mm. That's it. We can't wait any longer. Yeah. Um, the men and women that are living in, pro- in prisons, they are our resources. We need them. We need their information. We need their wisdom. Yeah. Um, and we need their grace. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we keep them isolated, we're basically um, isolating some of the, the stuff, the things that will heal us are being yeah. isolated. So mm-hmm. um, those wellness centers are interactive. They're bridges back to the community. They are no longer, we are no longer, you know, throwing people away in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the prison population will know, the wellness population will go down. Let's The wellness population. What an interest. I never even thought of that word. The wellness right. population will be down to a third because some people really need some help. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. But you ask any CO in any prison, mm-hmm. they know the people right now who can come out. It's not the parole officers, those parole, the probation, those people that sit on a committee and decide if you're right. good or bad. Right. I mean, this is not, you know, this is, it's judgment day, but they don't know. They haven't seen this guy. They in don't action. know. Right. There's a man, he's one of the, producers on the film, an incredible man. He just went on per, uh, up for parole and they said, no, three more years. It's like, what, mm. what are you talking about? This I man- think in some of those cases, they make up their mind before they even meet. Whatever it is, they need to educate. They need to go in and see the, see the guy mm-hmm. in action. They mm-hmm. need to be more interactive. This is not like, oh, and now we decree you, sh- you know, this is right. not the Supreme court. This is a human <laughs> life. That right. is now being decided in nine minutes um, yeah. based on, you know, maybe he didn't say something they wanted to hear. So mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that, that needs to be. So anyway, a thir- two thirds of the population can come home once yeah. they've had, you know, sit, they need to sit in circles all day long yeah. and they need to have drama and they need art and they need yes. dance and meditation and everything that we're trying to give ourselves, which we haven't. Yes. We haven't done until this this mm-hmm. retreat we're all on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what, it, what we do at the Compassion Prison Project on a more um, practical level, we, we work with tra- tra- the trauma and um, our, we, own, we bring out the innate wisdom that we've been sitting, that these men have been, and women have been sitting on for years. What is the innate mm-hmm. wisdom that you know already? Mm-hmm. What is the, tr- now, and when they know about, when they learn about the symptoms of trauma, when they learn that they are hypervigilant mm-hmm. um, and that they're reenacting their, their abuse and the things that um, I have a list from Peter Levine that I read to them. Mm-hmm. And when they hear this, it's like, it's like a relief. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you mean I can't, I haven't slept well in 20 years because I'm traumatized. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you heal if you're not, you know, so we we deal with the trauma, we make sure the trauma, you know, we and we talk about trauma and we talk about their abuse and we 
we cry and we laugh and we heal. And then it's about giving back and taking responsibility for what we've done. Mm. And the giving back project is our first bridge back to the community. And mm -hmm. um, my vision is to have every California, I'm working with California right now because that's where I am. Sure. I want every, every prison in California to have a mural that, um, that glorifies the communities these men have come from so that they can see if they come from Watts, there's a Watts tower there, you know, paying tribute to the community that raised them and, you know, basically asking for forgiveness. And can I come yeah. back? Can I come home? Hmm. And let's rebuild this community. That's powerful. Yes. Well, they, yeah. they need something. They need to give back and they need to know that they can create and mm -hmm. have, it, have it mean something. Mm -hmm. We all need that. Yeah. That's so powerful. So the people listening, so it, a Compassion Prison Project across the nation, just in California right now, we're, we're, we've got, we've got a prison outreach team right now. We've already found, I think it's 16 people in, in each 16 different States are now finding out how many prisons there are and okay. how we can get inside. Because remember, love finds its way into every crack and every mm -hmm. prison wall. So mm -hmm. love is coming. And yes, and, <laughs> and, and, I love that. And, you know, for your listeners, uh, find out about your prisons, contact us. If you want to start doing prison outreach with us, we need. Yeah. To I was going to ask you Fritzy. Um, so people are listening and they're they're That little cord inside of them has been plucked pretty hard through this episode and through the work that you're doing. Um, how, what is the best way to reach out? I know you're inundated probably with emails. I think you said, so what's the best way? Uh, go to our website. There's a, if you want to volunteer and if, or if you want to donate, those are two really great ways to help okay. us. Um, the money that you send us will help us make DVDs and uh, booklets for the guys. And then we're also spreading awareness about the ACE, about what an ACE is. I want everyone in the United States to know what an ACE is, which is mm -hmm. adverse childhood experiences. Okay. There are 10 of them. And then we've added some for, for the prison population. So, cause they were probably involved in foster care, homelessness, extreme yeah. poverty, things that the ACE doesn't really specifically target. Okay. Um, I want everyone to know what an ACE is. So take your ACE test, okay. find out what your ACE numbers are, even if it's one, which is, could be your parents got divorced or mm -hmm. separated. That's an ACE because okay. there was conflict in the household. Um, so where do we take the ACE, Fritzy? Um, there's, there's an ACE test, just type ACE test. Okay. And there will be one on my website soon. We're still working out the kinks on that. Got it. Um, my website has information about ACEs as well. Um, the CDC has an ACE test, I believe. And there's some other good ACE tests. So yes, find out what your ACE score is. Um, if you do want to volunteer, we will get back to you in probably two weeks. Um, but we're, you know, I am realizing I can't do everything myself. <laughs> and so, well, you know, you've got a robust team. It looks like well, it, for starters, it's growing and it's, yeah. it's, we're getting, it's, it's starting to, you know, I feel like once I have one person in every state, yeah, I'm going to feel really, you know, okay. We we're, and then we've also have Belgium is activated and the UK is activated Denmark 
Australia. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's going viral. We're, yes, we are, we're, we are finding our ways, you know, love is spreading and because that love is coming. Love is here, actually. Yeah, love is here. There you go. And it's just now we're we're letting we're letting it do its work instead of standing yeah. in the way. So, yeah. Fritzy, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and I'm going to be keeping myself abreast of the work that you're doing and um, seeing how I can potentially maybe in the future partner with you in some way. I'm in the process of creating my own nonprofit and a portion of that nonprofit will be dedicated to serving women incarcerated. So yeah. So I'd love to uh, collaborate with you in the future for now. However, Fritzy, thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, It's invaluable. It's inspiring. It's necessary. I'm grateful to you. I'm honored that I got the opportunity to meet you. And I would love nothing more than for you to share with us and the women and possibly some men listening. I I ask every guest if you could share one truth that you want the people listening to remember after this conversation ends, what would it be? Uh, Just the thought of it is so wonderful is that we are all magnificent and and let's let's use this life to explore it and express it. Mm. Thank you so much, Fritzy. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a dynamite perspective, not just perspective, but truth and movement that we've heard from my dear new friend, Fritzy Horstman. Hey, listen, check her out. Check out the work that she's doing. I know many of you listening are moved to get involved, either through donation or volunteering. Please do check out compassionprisonproject.org. The links are in the show notes. And I have an ask for you. Will you take a listen to Fritzy's PSA video? It's less than seven minutes of your time, and it gives you a deep, meaningful, emotional connection with the people, the hearts, the souls that she's working with and helps you understand and step into this new way of thinking about them about making the unseen seen. Would you watch that video? The links are in the show notes. It's called Step Inside the Circle. You can just search that, search for that on Facebook or on the web. But the link is in the show notes. Please share and share this episode with a friend. Listen, we are all in this together. And what I love about Fritzy is that she is a warrior for justice and not justice in the traditional sense but justice and restoration for the traumatized. And my friends, that could include you and me. Thanks so much for joining the show today, the last episode of season two. I am grateful for your listenership. I'm thankful for all the feedback that you give me. I have one more solo episode to share with you next Sunday, June 14th. That will be the season two finale. Please do come back and check us out. And hey, if you haven't hit subscribe, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and you don't miss the notifications about the start of season three. Thanks again, my friends. I love you. And always remember to speak truth over the lies.